everyone this is pastor dominic it's such an honor to have you on the podcast channel today's message is entitled responding to god's love god's love never fails every failure can be traced back to a decision made without love when we deeply examine god's definition of love in first corinthians 13 you will be challenged and provoked to the core Christ instructs us to love one another as he loved us, that our love for one another would reveal he is our Lord. In John 13, 34, 35, we find this truth. It requires intentional and vulnerable commitment to develop a love like that for others. God sent us the Holy Spirit to empower us to love beyond our strength or our capabilities. I'm telling you, this message is going to bless you and provoke you to a deeper intimacy with him that translates into you interacting with your brothers and sisters in Christ in a way you have not before with greater depth and truly revealing the heart of the Father. The Lord wants to share a few things. If you want to sit on the floor, if you want to go... I'm only going to take a moment with this because we're going to go right back into this, but I feel in my heart strongly to share a message because here's one thing, and you guys can make it wherever you want to be, but this is the thing I want to share tonight, is that what just happened right here, what's happening here is that if this doesn't translate into if if we behold him and we worship him if i can worship him and and jump all over the place and yell but when i walk up to you afterwards i don't love you more than i did when i started worshiping him the work of god did nothing in my heart are you hearing me that we can have awesome worship services we can have great expression but if you worship him and it doesn't translate into the relationships around you that you love people more. It's all hype and you've just fell for a, 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 just a little, you just fell for a, a Christian trend. And I'm telling you, God is looking for a people that radically love. He's looking for a people that radically love. And I just want to share a few passages as we get back into worship. But this, this, this word that the Lord placed on my heart is called responding to his love. Could you say that out loud? Responding to his love. During worship, the Lord was sharing this statement with me, and he said, forgive, I, I, I was provoked to repentance, and I said, Lord, forgive me for measuring my performance instead of being in awe of your immeasurable person. Forgive me for measuring my performance instead of being in awe of your immeasurable person. Do you know how quickly we, we disengage with God because we're looking around at what results are happening in our life, what things are working, what things aren't. And we can disengage so quickly that if you read the Bible, some of the greatest miracles, everybody would have said, that looks horrible. That doesn't look like it's going anywhere. That looks like utter defeat. Yet God would use the most humiliating situations in the world, and I'm not talking about self-inflicted ones, but I'm talking about just like the glory of God just showing up in this precious way. And I had this word that's, that the Lord's been dealing with me about, Revelation 21, 8. This is when God's talking about a new creation. 
You know, the Bible says he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. Not just a new earth, but new heavens as well. Do you know why? Because Lucifer, he, he fell from heaven, which means there's a residue of pride and sin, even in heaven. So that's why he's got to wipe them both away, because he doesn't even want the slightest memory of darkness, of hell. So he creates a new heaven and a new earth. But when it's talking about people that will be thrown into the lake of fire, we don't hear about this a lot sometimes, right? Did you know what the first thing that's mentioned? Being a coward. I want to show you. Verse 8. It says, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Do you, could you, did you hear that the word coward is in the same list as murderers, sexual immoral, all these things? A coward. Do you know what a coward is? It's somebody that never opens up. Somebody that's afraid to ever be vulnerable. Somebody that won't allow the work of God in. And what did Jesus talk about so much that you have to endure persecution in the end days? And if you are a coward, if you don't truly let the work of God come in you, you can't be strong for him in your own power. Zechariah 4, 6, it says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So if you don't allow his spirit to come in because you just play surface church, we were talking about politics earlier. I am so concerned about the state of the church for this reason, that politics, the language of politics and the labels of politics, you know what it does? It prevents you from ever having a heart for the issue. All you do is have an argument. Because when you have labels and you have language, what you do is you actually make your heart hard to ever feel what people are actually going through because you just think your ways are the right way and everything's a mess because of how people think. And believe me, I, my mind goes there too, but I'm telling you that if you don't shed one tear for the deceived, you should shut your mouth. You don't shed a tear for people that are in deep deception, but you use language and labels. That's a problem. You know what it is? It's a coward. Because a, a coward's one that can do a lot of talking, but can, is not allowing a work to be done in them. You see, prayer is not begging God for answers. Prayer is letting him make you the answer, becoming the answer instead of begging, becoming the answer in prayer. And I know I started this out harsh, that wasn't my goal, it was just where, where the Lord had me um, tonight, but it's so beautiful because the reason that you can preach a harsh message is because whom the Lord loves, he corrects. And the only reason he brings correction to the house is because he loves you so much, he wants you to turn from that mindset, that stronghold, so you can get free. But you know, freedom, we, we say this so much, but the Bible says in John 8, 31 through 32, it says, those who abide in my word are my disciples indeed, and they shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Set them free. Did you see freedom is not a one and done. Freedom is consistency with Jesus. 
When you're inconsistent with Jesus, you're gonna have consistent problems with the enemy. You, there's, it has to be this, this hard change and it's just transforming. But this, this kind of is gonna go two ways, but I do, we're gonna share on responding to the love of God, but the one thing about responding to the love of God that the Lord's been just penetrating in my heart is a love, a rekindled love for Israel, for God's people. You know, we don't hear about this a lot sometimes in American church because we just, once again, we use language to distract us from what God's truly after. And I wanna share with you something that maybe you've overlooked that's been more illuminated, but this goes with responding with the love of God. Right, but right now, the highest Jewish population is, is in Israel, and it's in Jerusalem, that's where, but do you know where the second most popular Jewish people, it's in New York, it was in New York. Do you hear how I said was in New York? Because what happened with COVID? COVID has flushed all the people from New York to Florida. So now Florida has the highest Jewish population. And do you hear all the prophecy about something's happening in Florida and Tampa and Orlando? Do you think it's just because some people are getting excited? Do you think God has a plan even in the midst of all the chaos? While, while we were all complaining about COVID, God was setting up a masterpiece. And some of you should probably start repenting right now because God's been in control the whole time, putting people where he needs to, seeing if his church will respond and say it's time to start loving because we need to be praying because the Jews, they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. But what's gonna happen is they're moving here and they're gonna start seeing that the Gentiles, they're gonna start seeing that we love him and they're going to be provoked to jealousy and they're going to realize that he is the Messiah. They're going to see it. They're going to come. It's, and you have to start praying for the Jews. We have to start praying for this is God has a covenant, a promise. And this is where we can so quickly just make the gospel all about us. But if you don't respond to God's love, the The most severe blindness is selfishness. The most severe blindness is selfishness. The gospel is so dangerous when you only look at it through the eyes of selfishness. It's actually, it's lethal. Because even Paul said the, the, the law, the letter, it kills. Because you can use that to just whip people. And I know it, they use that for works and grace, but I'm telling you, you take any scripture out of context, you're gonna, you can cause a lot of damage. But Romans 1:16, what does it say? It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power unto God, to salvation, first for the Jews, then for the Greek. And it says that, it goes on to say, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, for it is written, the just shall live by faith. And Romans chapter one is a doozy. You need to read Romans chapter one because the people that don't receive God, it says it turn, that God turns their minds over to a base things like homosexuality because they rejected his presence. They rejected looking at creation and seeing him everywhere. I'm telling you, you do not want to be messing around. 
this Bible is full of warnings. And sometimes we, we become really, uh, we, we begin to become experts at speaking around the warnings and only encouraging people, but you're actually encouraging people to help because the warnings bring the conviction and you start to realize I can't live this way. That life is short, that I, I, have, to, I have to go after things and we, we just have to have more of a reverence and that's why we were talking about the fear of the Lord. We've been going through these things, but when it comes to opening up, when it comes to being vulnerable, bef vulnerable before the Lord, you see, if you don't open up, and I'm talking to people in this room, if you don't open up to God and let the things out that you've been dealing with or things that you are struggling with, if you don't open up, your lineage is going to inherit pride and destruction because it's up to you to break it. It's up to you to break the things that are going on. You have to, you have to open up. This is why you'll see through the Gospels about some of the most precious stories, the woman that she was the prostitute and she came to Jesus and she begins to pour oil and she's tear, tears and her hair and she, what she's doing is she's bringing him something but what's so special about that offering is it was, it was brokenness that it blessed the Lord because she had to break the jar open. Once you break something, you can't take it back. There's a lot of people that leave things at the altar but it's not broken so they can pick it back up because it's still shiny and it's still got, but there's something about when you break something. True worship is a place of no return. When you truly worship him, you go to a place of no return because you, you discover his beauty. And I, there, anyone, I challenge any of you, you can, there is, there is no way you can sincerely seek him and not fall more in love with him. It's impossible. Nick was alluding to that earlier, but I, this is the, the thing that's just reverberating in my heart. I got to give us a challenge. I got to give us a challenge because Jesus did that with the disciples. It was, it was so important that we don't just come together, but we don't learn something and, and apply it to our body because when we apply this word, we become more like him and the bride that he desires is produced. But if, if we're all over, if all, if all we're doing is just, oh Lord, I'm believing for this, believing for this, but we're not looking each other in the eye and saying, you know what, you're valuable to God and begin to love one another in a way. And this is why there's some big things that we're gonna be casting to the church very soon because I, I sense in my heart that we have to get family more going in this body. You say amen to that? I'm telling you, if you're, even if you're a part of a church right now and you feel like it's not family-oriented and it's not going after the, the Book of Acts model, I'm, 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 telling, I'm not saying that to be rude to any church. I'm just saying if, if, if you aren't going after what God's Word says and there are just things that are just very loose and it, it just seems like everything's about something else, I'm telling you, it's time we all get convicted to go on a journey. Find a place, find somewhere where you can actually be held accountable, not just see if you showed up so you could help. Held accountable. Be able to look people in the eyes and say, I know something's wrong. I know something's wrong. You're worth more than just helping. 
Jesus can use anything to help. But the thing, we got to really get this in our hearts because, you know, my wife and I, we just had our third child. Nate came over and helped me out last night getting a haircut because I can't, I'm like stranded at my house right now because my, my wife, she can't, she's still recovering and we got, we got two, we got a five-year-old, a one and a half-year-old, and now a, a, a newborn. So I'll tell you what, if I look well-rested, it's the glory of God because I'm telling you what. It's been, and, and, and if Jackie's watching, she's probably laughing. She's like, you get more sleep than I do. Yeah, I probably, I get a half hour more uh, than, than what's going on because I, I don't have data milk. So <laughs> praise the Lord for that. Once again, gender lies. We have to make sure we're not receiving any of the deception going on. But, but one of the things that has happened is you know what I realize about family more so than ever? And I already knew it, but it's a more of awakening. Family is, takes everything. You have to invest in family. Like a newborn, I can't just be like, hey, you know, um, you know make yourself a sandwich, bro. Um, <laughs> dude, you stink. You pooping all the time. <laughs> like, it takes an investment. I have to completely lay myself down in order for him to mature. Yet we think we can just have a nice big corporate gathering and everybody's just fine. A bunch of babies. And I'm not saying that to be rude, I'm saying it because it's the truth. That there's a bunch of babies and we just think that, all right, you're, you're good. Yeah, watch how that works out. There's something about family that requires investment. And I was so awakened that it, it moved my wife and I to tears last night because Bliss, our, our oldest, you know, I'm hanging out with Bliss and Brave a lot right now. I mean, Brave like literally hangs on my leg all the time. I like, he's like, he just wants to be with me all the time, which is a blessing, except when you're trying to do everything. So <laughs> it's like, I'm just like, please, I love you so much. You're so cute. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna one day, I'm going to beat myself up for pushing those moments away. So I'm just like, fine, it'll get done. And uh, just loving on them. But our little girl, she, last night, she was really temperamental and I was putting her down to sleep. And she said, she said, uh, I was like, Bliss, why are you so upset? And she's like, mommy doesn't have time for me right now because the newborn. And it, it broke my heart because my, my, I was like, I can't tell this to Jackie. And I was like, I went out and told her. And <laughs> I was like, you gotta, we gotta find a way for you to do like a little tea thing or something with her, even though we've been spending time. But I share that because so quickly you realize how much of an investment each child is. And you start realizing that we can't just, this is why Jesus was so intentional with every person that he would go to the woman at the well and have a heartfelt conversation. Blind Bartimaeus, like when he encountered people, it was so personal, it was so real. He could have just, he could have just went on a mountain and just got everybody be like, hey, everybody, listen up. And spoke with a, a voice that just everybody could hear him because he's God. He could just say, All right, I'm here, I'm about to die on a cross. Everybody just needs to love me. You guys get it? You're all a bunch of sinners. You really sucked and you ruined everything. But I came to he didn't do that. He actually desired to walk up to individuals. Yet in our culture, we, we want to see one person on a stage with a microphone and say, man, that's a man of God. When 
what were they saying when Jesus was at the well with the woman? They're like, why are you talking to a woman? Because of culture, why are you talking to us? All they're doing is talking about the, the racial barriers and all the cultural barriers when Jesus is trying to be intentional and relational. And I'm realizing that with family, it, it, it costs something. And I, I know Nick even shared this at Experience Community, but if you turn to 1 Corinthians 13, as everybody know, 1 Corinthians 13 is what? The love chapter. And one thing about love that we fail to realize is if I looked around the room and asked you what love is, I, I, and I'm not saying this to be mean, but can anybody quote 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8? I knew Michael would, and that's beautiful, man. And the reason, and why don't you go for it, man? Rip it. No, you got it. Yeah. Endure. Amen. No, you got it. <laughs> Amen. No. But, no, and I wanted to let... I, it's so amazing when multiple brethren speak the word. So Michael, Sharon, and then let's read it together. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. It's not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. You know. I've been meditating on this and I realized, you know what this definition does? Is it challenges everything about the way I love. There's no way you can read this and say, oh yeah, I'm doing that on every front. God's love challenges and cleanses you at the same time. It reveals all these motives. And when you read that last line, love never fails. The only re if God's love never fails, that means that every failure can be traced back to a decision made without love. Every failure can be traced back to making a decision without love. It has to be his love. But this is something that's cultivated between all of us. And I want to read 1 John. Everybody believe it's important to read scripture together. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Now by this we know him. Okay, how do we know if we know him? If we were to go around the room and you say you know him, well, I'm going to read to you what the Bible says. It says, now by this we know him if we keep his commandments. But it's all about grace, brother. It's not. Are, are you endeavoring to try by the Spirit of God to be in line with the commandments? Or are you just finding excuses to not even to aspire for what God is asking? Because it's important that we... God's not unfair. He's not saying, keep my commandments. Oh yeah, I know you can't. So uh, he, what he's doing, he's trying to provoke us into dependency upon him because you can't do it on your own strength, your own power. But the more you allow this work to be done in you and you have the fellowship of the brethren constantly encouraging the fellowship with one another, you keep reading, it says, it says, he who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar 
and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. I want to talk about a dagger of conviction. Does anybody read the word and say, wow, like, help me, Lord? <laughs> or do you read and just say, man, that was really encouraging. Man, that was super encouraging. I read that and I'm like, Lord, help me. Holy Spirit, help me to walk as Jesus walked. Help me to love my brothers and sisters more. Help me to be a better husband, a better father. And then it says, he who says he abides, well, and then verse seven, brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now I want to ask, this is, a, this is me just kind of proposing a question to help you see. If the, love, if the definition of the love of God is so beyond what we originally think or the way culture teaches us, would we say that it might be the same for hate? That we might think we are not hating somebody, but based off scripture and what God says, maybe the way you do walk in a selfish manner is actually hating somebody. But you just think, oh, I'm not hating them because I don't get angry or violent, but maybe your selfishness is actually a form of hate. That's something you gotta take up with the Lord and ask. I need to be delivered of self. I need to be delivered of selfishness. I need, I need to be open about the things that I do find myself thinking about me all the time. I do find myself saying, you know what, I really hope that this, that they, they all recognize me or I really hope that it's all. You gotta watch those thoughts. They're subtle, but they begin to make everything centered around you. And then you, you fall into bondage because you're, you're a horrible Lord. You're a horrible God. And that's what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to get you so selfish that everything is, it's just your kingdom. It's your, it's your, it's just all about you. Now, John 13, verse 34 through 35, who wrote 1 John as well. I want you to get your eyes on these verses. Are you all good? We've had such a powerful night. I'm just like, I just love the word, you know? So, <laughs> John, this is right after he, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. This is what he says. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Whatever, is there anybody in the room that believes that they're loving everyone the way Jesus loves them? Do you know what that shows me? That there should be daily repentance. Lord, help me to love like you. You know, in Luke chapter 22, we actually find that when the disciples were asking who was the greatest, it was actually right before Jesus washed their feet. Could you imagine that moment that all the disciples are like, Jesus, who's the, or who's the greatest? And they're all fighting about it. Like, it's going to be me. Like, it's going to be me. And then Jesus, who is the greatest, gets down on his knees and begins to wash their feet and says, you love one another as I have loved you. But this is the verse right after it. It says, by this, everyone say, by this, by this. All, will know all will know 
that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So your witness is not how loud you shout in a worship service. Your witness is not how many times you read the Bible. Your witness is not how many times that you have done a charity event or an outreach. This is saying that the world will know that you have been with me by the way you interact with others. And this is where we've missed it so much because we make the church about everything but actually relationship. I, I've shared this before, but it's such a revelation that when the, the Israelites were, were, were spying on the promised land, if you'll remember the story, when they went to the promised land and they were spying it out, trying to see, that it said that they carried clusters of grapes back with them and they, the, these clusters of grapes were so big it took two people to carry them. You know what that tells me? It says that 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 means the only way you can tell if the fruit of the Spirit is in your life is if you're walking with your brother. You can't, it, it was a foreshadow that the only way you can tell if the fruit of the Spirit is in your life. You, can't, you can worship in, a, in your secret place all day and then get in your car and somebody cut you off and we'll really see if the work of God had anything to do in your life. There's people that could, there's, there could be people taking notes here tonight and just loving on Jesus and then soon as they get home tonight, you know, the dog peed on the floor or something and you know, all this stuff comes out of their mouth. You know what I'm saying? Like so quickly, people can just lose it because it's, it, it goes to show that it's all surface oriented. You have to let it penetrate you. You have to go deep, amen? You hear me? And the only way you know you can go deep is if you're willing to be vulnerable with one another. You know, and I, I, I want to share this, that there's times when people come up and, you know, they'll, they'll ask you if you need prayer. And people are like, no, I'm good. Everything's going good right now. Pride. Pride. Everything can be going good based off your definition. But if somebody's coming up to you that is a brother or sister in Christ, and they're asking if you need prayer, you know what? Why don't we pray for the Jews right now? Why don't we pray for a family member? Why don't we pray? But all of a sudden what happens is we, we just, we, we block things out with pride. And it's because we don't wanna actually have relationship. We just want a show. We just want everything to just be cool, entertaining. You're gonna back down when persecution comes if that's all you get. I just wanna make sure you're hearing it from me. Because I'll tell you what, I have to give an account for teaching the Word of God, and I'm not going to teach a watered-down gospel. It's just not happening. I, 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 it's just not happening. And I, 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 I want you the same for your family, your friends, that when you tell people about Jesus, you don't water it down because you think they're going to get offended. No, you have, to, you have to preach truth because truth sets people free. You do it in love. Our love for one another is the witness of the deep transformative work of the gospel. And the, the final thing that I want to share before we, we, we just, I, I really feel in my heart tonight that, that the challenge to us all is that we say, you know what, God? You died for a family. And I repent for making church just a sideshow. I repent for, for just making church a, a thing I do sometimes to get a spiritual encouragement. But God, I'm ready to lay my life down to love others. 
I'm ready for to, you see, Jesus came to this earth and he didn't come so that he could get a, all of his, his blessings. He came to lay his life down and he, he, all he did was love every person he came into, but he, did, he didn't love them in the sense of like peace, man. No, sometimes his love, even with the woman at the well, go get your, go get the man that you're with that's not your husband. You've had five other husbands. You know, he, he wasn't afraid to share the truth because he wanted everything out. Everything becomes, I'm telling you that all problems become obsolete at his feet. And when we, when we read that in Mark chapter five, you don't have to turn there, but I really encourage you to read Mark chapter five. We've been going through the book of Mark with some tidbits on our YouTube channel and it's been, it's been a, a journey for me. I love going through the book of Mark and just seeing the servanthood of Christ because it reveals Jesus as the servant of God. In Mark chapter five, right before I, I just share this in closing, that in James chapter four, verses seven through eight, it says this, submit to God, resist the devil, and he shall flee. So just hold on right there. This means that the highest form of spiritual warfare is humility. Because you can't even resist the devil until you are submitted to God. Do you know Jesus never did anything unless he first saw the Father doing it? Jesus didn't just say, I rebuke you in, G I rebuke you in my name, I rebuke you in my name. He had, to, he had to wait to hear from the Father. And there's so many people that are running rampant with authority in the kingdom, not first listening to the fresh whisper of heaven and submitting to God. There's a lot of people that are rebuking the refinement. God's trying to refine them and they're rebuking it, thinking it's just the devil, it's just these things. But I'm telling you that you have to understand that submit to God, resist the devil and he shall flee from you. And right after it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This is the invitation tonight. Some of you are gonna even think this, this is gonna be too hard because I, 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 you know, God will actually send unlovable people to this body just to see if his love is having a work in our heart. He'll send people that annoy you, that get on your nerves a little bit, just to see if the Holy Spirit is truly doing a work in your heart or if you're still stuck on biases, still stuck on these things. God will do it and he'll, he'll, he'll bring, because you know why I can, God brought, God brought Jesus to the Pharisees and when Jesus came to their synagogue, they didn't like him very much because they were playing surface church. They were just, they just liked, they just liked being around. They liked the applause. They liked the events. They liked the money scheme. They liked everything about it. But then once truth walked in and genuine, you see authenticity, it, it freaks fakers out. The anointing rests on authenticity. It's so, you know, one of my favorite things about testimonies when you all were sharing is that we preach the word of God, we preach the word of God, and then when somebody gets up and opens up about what God did in their life, it's just like the whole atmosphere changes because it's, it's not their story, it's Jesus. It's, it's Christ's story. And in, in Mark chapter five, it's so precious because Jesus has three encounters. And these three encounters, one is with a demon-possessed man.
and this demon-possessed man, if you're, if you're not familiar, Jesus and the disciples just crossed a whole sea, and they ran into the most crazy, catastrophic storm that even fishermen were freaking out about this storm. And they crossed this whole sea to meet this man who was demon-possessed. You know, in verse 6, it's probably one of my favorite verses, it says, the man saw Jesus from afar and ran and worshipped him. That's a verse to memorize. Saw Jesus, ran and worshipped him. So you know what this tells me? Those demons didn't run to worship him. This is so powerful that this demon-possessed man, that the man saw Jesus and he wanted deliverance, he wanted it, and you see, all the people had cast him to the side because the world can't solve spiritual problems. So what the world did is they couldn't handle this guy anymore, so they locked him up in a cave, but he would break the chains because the powers of darkness are real. They're not to be played with. He broke the chains, but when Jesus came, it says this man came and then Jesus had to, had to find out that, that the conversation, the enemy began to speak and it turned out it was a legion, it was a host of demons. And this is why I want you to know, once you start yielding to sin, you have to watch because the enemy will take you deeper and deeper into lies. And that oppression can happen for a born again believer, but people that don't know the Lord, I'm telling you, that demons can build up and build up and build hosts in there. This is true. This is Bible, okay? So you have to be aware. It's not just positive thinking, that there's a spiritual thing. But Jesus meets this man. And you know what? Once this whole story happens, this man gets completely free, completely set free. And then there's this thing that happens with the pigs and the whole city says, Jesus, get out of here. Because I'm not trying to tell the whole story, but they tell Jesus to get out of here. You know what that shows me? Jesus respects their wishes and leaves. Do you know Jesus came for that one man? He crossed the whole sea. He crossed the, this, this, this storm just to reach one man because he knew that the whole town would reject him. But he came for this one man. Do you know why? Because this man, he knew this man would draw near. And then when he gets back, he runs into a man that's a Pharisee that, that has been talking about him. And it says that this prideful man gets down on his knees and says, will you help save my daughter? And Jesus says, yes, I'll come and save your daughter. So you see, you've got a demon-possessed man, somebody that's dealing with strongholds, somebody that's dealing with demonic strongholds. All you have to do is take a step towards Jesus tonight. And then this other man that's a prideful man stuck in religion, he's at a place of desperate desperation he draws near and Jesus meets him on his way back and then in the same chapter the woman with the issue of blood that these three separate encounters that you have a, a man that's been demon possessed strongholds going on in his mind draws near Jesus heals him and then you have this this man that's a Pharisee pride and religion he draws near he gets set free and then you have a woman that has lost all hope and has exhausted all options and what does she do she draws near I'm here to tell you tonight that all you have to do tonight, that the complexity of your problem does not change the simplicity of his answer. He said, draw near. There are people in this room that you're still dealing with strongholds, but you're not drawing near. You're actually letting the enemy draw you away. You're getting further away from family because family is where we keep each other accountable. Family is where the Spirit of God is moving, and the enemy wants to get you off and isolated. He wants to move you out of the path so that way you're all on your own. But guess what? Jesus will leave the night 
99 to even go after the one. So if your butt is isolating, he's coming for you because we're going to pray and we're going to believe. But I'm telling you here tonight, it's time to draw near. It's time to be a family. And we're going to make those changes. And I ask you to be praying for us. Be praying that the Lord would lead us how we can start having a family in, in this church. That it's not just high and by. It's not just, oh, I'll come for a nice little spiritual refreshment here at Gold Street. No, I want to see, I want to start seeing true disciples get raised up. A bride that's ready for the end times. That no matter what happens, we are ready to stand shoulder to shoulder and love Jesus and say, he's coming. So at this time, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, we don't have to close our eyes tonight. I, I really feel like if we're family, if we're family, if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus as your Lord, and even if I shared some things with you tonight that you're like, you know what? I don't know where I stand. If that's you, it's time to stop playing around. It's time to stop messing around. You may have, maybe somebody hasn't loved you enough to share the truth with you. But there is a heaven and there is a hell. And there's a choice that decides that. There's a man named Jesus. Jesus filled all the distance between you and God. But you have to make the choice to step into his glorious person. Because he's the only one that can represent you on judgment day. If you're in this place and you don't know Jesus as Lord, I want you to, to boldly come to, come to the altar right now if you're not sure where you stand with God. And the reason is it's like a public thing. It's Jesus died on a cross publicly. He was shamed for you. And the enemy always wants to try to keep people, oh, that, that's offensive or, you know, it's supposed to be private. I'll tell you what, our public adoration, it's not about showboating, it's about making a declaration showing the enemy you're not going to fall for his tactics anymore. So if that's you, I do want you to come forward. But the other thing that we want to do tonight, if you say in your heart, you say, you know what? I want this family anointing. I want what Jesus paid for. And I, I realize hearing this word tonight that there are some things that I am not loving my, my neighbor as myself. I am not allowing the deep work of God to actually provoke me to love, but there is a lot of, I'll tell you what, our culture is steeped in selfishness. I'm realizing this more and more. I'm crying a lot because I'm realizing, and I'm telling you, I'm not saying this to be, I'm realizing more and more how selfish I, 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 there's thoughts that have been hidden in my mind. There's things that I'm being revealed when I'm short with my wife, when, when there's different things going on, when I want it to exactly go my way. I, the Lord just quickens me to realize that there's so much more peace, there's so much more joy if I'm willing to open up and be real, just like David, and just said, I, before you and you alone, I have sinned. And every time we repent and we confess, I'm telling you, he is so merciful. He is so good. And the reason that we speak the truth is because he has a joy unspeakable for you. He has a peace that surpasses understanding. If you're in this place and you say, you know what? I need to lay some things down. I just want you to come to the altar. I just want this altar to be just flowing with bodies of sacrifice unto him. Just allow the anointing of heaven to ride over you. If that's you tonight, just come to the altar that we, we take this call for the family of God. We say that God, use me to love, use me, provoke a work of love in me tonight. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus.